Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. Michael Jans, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship you have with your clients is the heart of your business, and if you're listening to my podcast, then you probably do. Then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger and longer. If you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com and receive a free demo of their award-winning software today. I have a great guest today, a very articulate spokesperson for um, our uh, channel within this industry. And well, he's just got a really fascinating story in the fact that his product is in um, 30,000 agencies means that he, he knows a thing or two about the agency system. So you're going to be fascinated by that conversation. Uh, first, I just want to take a moment to talk about what I'm attempting to accomplish in this series of conversations, because I realize there are other podcasts, there are other insurance podcasts, there are certainly other things you could do, um, uh, besides listen to a podcast at all. What am I trying to do here? Well, my focus here, as it has been for over 25 years, is the agency distribution system and um, doing what I can to ensure that those who um, who thrive in it, the insurapreneur, as I like to call them, those who really have their skin in the game on this system, um, that we... Uh, do what we do in a way that delights the customer, that we do uh, what we do um, in a manner of excellence, that hopefully those who are perhaps influenced by me, um, they're the innovators and they're the winners and they're the ones who really deliver excellence um, in the industry. And we uh, we give the customer what they need. Uh, both in terms of what they need in, ter- in regards to protection, but also the confidence and the experience that they need in order to feel as passionate about um, this system as we do. So in order to do that, um, I do tend to float between the strategic and the tactical. Um, in general, if you listen carefully to um, my podcast sequence, it usually follows this sequence starting at 30,000 feet. What are the trends and forces that my guest sees affecting the industry? And some people can really speak to that. Um, And some people um, are, some of my guests are intentionally chosen not for that, but for the third thing. The second thing is, okay, based on those trends and forces, What's the significance? What, is, what does that mean? What should an, what should an insurapreneur um, understand about that? And then that brings us to the uh, third thing, kind of down in the weeds where the rubber hits the road, tactically, practically, what behaviors should we adopt in order to be most successful given where this industry is going? Because um, the rate of change is one thing that we're uh, becoming accustomed to. So 
That's my focus. And I have um, an interest now. As you may be aware, we did surpass 250,000 downloads. And um, I'm, I'm now thinking, okay, uh, I've really uh, enjoyed this a lot. I'd like to share it with more people, particularly the people who want what I just talked about. They want to know where we're going and what to do now in order to be successful in the next 24 months. Um, there, I, I'll ask a favor of you. If this podcast has been valuable to you, if you'd be willing to send me an email and um, with a brief testimonial, share the value you get out of this conversation or share um, something that might make other people want to listen to this, um, I may be able to use that in some upcoming promotion that I want to do for the podcast series itself. So if you do that, email me at michael at michaeljans.com. Uh, I'll put together a little marketing kit. So I'll give you access to stuff that can help grow your business. So that's a favor. And now, without further ado, <clears throat> I will introduce you to my guest, Jeff Harris. He's the um, co-founder and president of Appulate, uh, one of the early insurtechs in our industry, 17 years old. And that makes Agency Revolution seem like a youngster. It's something like, um, what are we, 12 years old? And um, let's see, 250,000 users. So this is somebody who is deeply engaged in this industry and delivering a service that gets used, um, well, I don't know, every minute of every day in this industry. Um, Jeff Harris, entrepreneur, software executive, uh, tech startup uh, pioneer, and um, he, so he just delivered a great conversation. We talked about um, his perspective on where the industry is going and what the future looks like for uh, the operators of the industry, uh, what parts of the insurance process can be uh, fixed by pushing buttons, uh, if not now, perhaps in the very near future, but which parts should be reserved for that human-to-human -human contact. Um, and what agents should know um, and do um, about this sort of rapid stream of incoming technology so that you can make the right decisions about that. So without further ado, it's a uh, privilege to introduce you to this conversation with my friend, co-founder and president of Appulate, Jeff Harris. Jeff Harris. Hello, CEO Michael. and co-founder of uh, Appulate. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on your show. And thanks for all you do for this industry. It's oh. uh, really a privilege to be here today. Well, uh, thank you for joining. And it's a privilege to do whatever it is that I do in this industry. I've enjoyed it for more than 25 years. So um, you have uh, a uh, substantial, uh, certainly a su substantial contribution you've made to the industry yourself through your product. Now, you, you and I have chatted about this a little bit. I thought I was a pioneer in the insurtech industry and I certainly had plenty of spears to pull out of my chest to prove it. But you predated me, kind of. I mean, we, 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 have, we actually did have 
an InsureTech product that released we released in 1999. But the one that's that I think a lot earlier. Yeah, that's a lot earlier. That, that um, is, that's early. Okay. Dot com they, boom era early. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was the precursor to agency revolution, which is the one sure. that I think people recognized. It was it was an automatic email marketing system called ZipDrip. Didn't integrate with any agency management systems. Nobody was even dreaming about that then. But it did, you know, kind of pretty cool stuff. Um, broadcast messages and autoresponders and lots of wild cards and tokens. And, you know, it was it was pretty cool for 1999. Amazing. Um, but that being said, you're the guest, not me. No, no, so. <laughs> I did. You're, you, you predated us by uh, six years. That's, okay. that's pretty impressive. Fair enough. Uh, so, um, so look, first of all, for those who don't know you, Jeff, or maybe don't know you as well, who are you and how did you get to be who you are? Huh. Well, I'm a, I'm a kid uh, from California that grew up around technology. And uh, I think just luck of the draw the, the time I was born to the time I was uh, uh, of, of adult age was an enormous uh, a period of innovation. And I got caught up and, and just excited by that and felt like I could contribute to that. So I've been a software entrepreneur my entire career. Um, it's a badge of honor. I feel like technology does a lot of good things for our society. Uh, it also does some not so good things. And I'm very aware of that. But uh, uh, it, it's been a true uh, passion of mine and uh, my life's work. Got it. Um, so I, I am curious about this before Appulate. Was that also before your participation in the insurance industry? It absolutely was. And so, you know, I think I'm in a bit of an anomaly for from from yesteryear because, you know, you're a good example. The, the really early insure techs were really started by people that came from within the industry, right? They knew insurance and they had yeah. Uh, yeah, some reason so. to use insure, uh, you know, technology to enhance it. We were really outsiders. We 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 understood the challenges because we ourselves, my my, my co-founder Dimitri Nicolini and I were were insureds that had dealt with issues around applying for insurance. But but we we had no prior experience in insurance and never sold insurance, nothing like that. And interestingly, I'm seeing that trend again today. It's kind of come full circle where now it seems like the majority of the entrepreneurs that are starting up these insure techs are also outsiders. It has goods and bads to it. But um, I think for a while there, the majority of, of, of uh, especially names that everyone knew that were kind of these insure techs, I, mean, I think it's fair to say most of them were started by insiders, right? People right. Yeah. People they're, in the I've, I've, I've been interviewing a lot of um yeah, what what I would have to call outsiders. I mean, at yeah. some point, l let's put it this way: they come into the industry with yeah. technology first, as opposed to being in the industry in another function and then bringing yeah. technology into enhance. I've certainly uh, interviewed a lot of those lately, and this is interesting. <laughs> I suspect that the um, commercial insurance application process has spawned a number of insure tech innovations <laughs> where, where some business person who was a technology expert went through the process and said, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just, it's an exciting, I'll, I'll use the word, it's a sexy place to be right now. I mean, insure tech has had just an enormous amount of investment and um, it's an entrepreneur's dream, right? To be able to do something 
that that uh, uh, you know has a lot of momentum behind them, and and it's it's a place where where a good entrepreneur can come and bring innovation and 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 get success, and and so it's a I, I see why it's attractive. Uh, that, that that was not how it was back in two thousand and five when we started Appulate, but uh, but I think that's been the trend. Oh for the last yeah, three I have a feeling, years, Je right? Jeff. I have a feeling you and I could trade war stories and show scars to prove them. Um, but maybe we'll save that for a different conversation. I so, have many, Michael, absolutely. Well, you know, this. so the, uh, I w would like to get your insight on this because, um, well, I, I happen to be like earlier today, I was working on a promotional mm. piece, a sales letter for my mastermind group. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and um, you know, in my copy, I was sort of circling around the tension of this being traditionally uh, a stable industry that's rock yeah. solid, uh, that it has to be because it yeah. supports the, really the global finance system and the global economy. Yeah. Um, and so it has a certain um, uh, element where you, you know, you can kind of count on it. And, and yet it has this dichotomy going on, a tension that's pulling it a different direction, which is to innovate, uh, add new value, um, bring in new technologies. And those new technologies can be, in some cases, transformative, in some cases, disruptive. Um, and, um, and the um, this sort of uh, banking on change mm -hmm. is something that both private equity and venture capital is doing. They're banking on mm -hmm. change. They're they're putting like last year, sixteen billion dollars in venture capital, uh, 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 banking on a return on investment in sure. uh, change in this industry. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of you know, and you probably have seen that change a lot. Mm -hmm. that pace of change will um, alter a lot over the last 17 years. Yeah, without question. I mean, where we when we entered the industry, I, I think uh, insurance, especially commercial PNC, was uh, an industry that was well behind the curve when it came to its utilization of, of technology. And, and that excited us. I mean, that was one of the things that motivated us to do this was we thought, you know, we're, we're kind of geeks and we thought, hey, maybe we're kind of dipping our toe into this industry and can do some exciting things. And, and I'm glad we, we did that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's obviously gotten to a point of where there is quite a bit of saturation of technology now. And um, I would even argue that some of the, the investors out there, it, it's gotten almost to dice rolling now where, um, you know, people are kind of throwing money. And that, that feels a lot like back in, you know, 99 and 2000. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I think there's still a lot of good things to come. And there's a lot of real innovations out there that are, are, are starting to demonstrate and prove um, a return on the investment. And, and that's exciting. There's also plenty of failures. We don't talk about them much. We don't hear about them much. But uh, you know, I, I think at one time there was something like three thousand companies in in insure tech that had been funded, um, and obviously, you know, many of them are are not around today. Uh, 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 <laughs> well, you, don't don't get me started on the amount of money that's available right now and how fast sure. it's being thrown at stuff. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm not, not going to name names, but they've been in some cases, clients of mine, in some <laughs> cases not, but, sure. you know, coming, coming to me with, um, you know, legitimate, um, 
challenges, like legitimate problems, yeah. like having a really fuzzy value proposition and not quite being sure like where to play in the industry yeah. and sitting on 10 to $15 million of venture capital. And it's like right. in, the, in the world where, you know, when I was scaling it in short tech and, and you certainly right. starting 17 years ago, like that kind of money just that, that, that wasn't oh, even a yeah, dream a of a dream, right? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> and, and, and now it's sort of the opposite is in, in some, yeah. and this is, this is a conversation I have more often with insure techs than agencies, but sure. yeah, now, now we have kind of the opposite problem uh, where uh, there's just such a, like you said, a plethora of technologies. And we know that historically 80% of them fail, mm-hmm. but uh, every single one of them who every single startup CEO knows that and has heard that um, and is absolutely convinced, at least when they start, they're always in the 20%. They're never in the 80%. Right. Well, sure, you have to have that attitude if you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> you you kind of have to. Right. And, and then let the pain begin. Of course. Um, so in any case, um, so let's, let's uh, corral this energy around, um, you know, kind of an interesting, you're in an interesting position. Uh, you're not brand new in the industry. 17 years gives you, let's call it a career. Okay. You're an insurance guy now. Um, and, uh, and you've been in technology and you've seen technologies developed. I mean, like, you know, go back to 1999, you can imagine you oh, know, yeah. how, how sexy ZipDrip was. I mean, it seemed like it at the time. Yeah. And now, you know, there are all these new innovations, artificial intelligence and blockchain yeah. and, you know, machine learning. And, um, and, and, and we see kind of see them upstream a little bit, like changing everything that's coming our direction. Right. Uh, what do you see like is the the big trends and forces that are shaping and reshaping this industry right now? Well, so I, I look at it with a little bit of a narrow lens just because the space that we're in at, at, at Appulate um, is very focused around quoting. And so I, I'm not an expert when it comes to things like claims. I, we just don't play in those spaces. But I think that, that um, you know, one of the neat parts about the space that we're in, and, and I think why there's so much money going into that uh, is that it, that ultimately is what is making the industry money, right, is, is when they're selling policies. Um, and so ways to do that better, faster, cheaper, uh, I think are, are exciting to the end user, to the, to the, to the procurer of these technologies. Um, and as a result, they're also exciting to the investors that get behind uh, entrepreneurs uh, that are, are building those technologies. So I continue to believe there's a lot of room there. Um, you know, I, I read a study that said that 30% of premium is spent on producing the premium, uh, the, the, the operations um, uh, in, involved in, in just uh, uh, getting those policies written. That's a large amount of money. I mean, if you're looking at the the industry, commercial insurance at whatever it is, two hundred and fifty billion dollars or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a sizable amount of money. So I think there's a tremendous amount of upside and opportunity there uh, to continue to create efficiencies around submission and quoting. Um, and obviously, that's where we play. But I think there's plenty of room for others. 
Um, but it's, it, you know, you only have to, you don't have to go very far to see that there are people that are doing amazing things in plenty of other spaces. I mean, you know, I've gotten to understand a little bit about telemetrics. I, 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 it's fascinating what people are doing there. Um, I mean, AI in general, I think is gonna change our, all of our lives in every which way possible. Um, I, I also think there's some very interesting things going on in virtual reality right now um, that, that are, are, are helping people to better um, uh, understand, uh, for example, uh, the, the ability to, to see um, a, 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 a property risk uh, in, a, in a more detailed way without actually having to physically go there. Um, saves a lot of money and time. There's just a tremendous amount going on. But it, it, you know, Michael, it all comes down to execution, right? You can have a great idea, but if you can't execute on it, then you know it's it's worthless. So your focus really is on um, compressing the time, uh, uh, creating efficiencies um, in the application process. It is, and we, we do it by connecting all the stakeholders involved. So we've uniquely created a, a, a process that connects the insured, the agent, MGA and wholesale broker, and the carrier in kind of a single rating, quoting, and binding workflow. And uh, I think we really are the only folks that have kind of truly solved that. There's a lot of organizations that you know are, are taking pieces of that and trying to create automation, but we've we've created a way for... Uh, everyone to kind of get involved in this process to get all the right data points and ultimately to drive a lot more speed and efficiency to uh, a binding policy. Um, so let, uh, let me ask a blunt question and, and then I'll, I'll, you'll see the direction I'm taking it. So from a customer's point of view, an end user's point of view, a yeah. policyholder in general, how do you think they would rate the insurance buying experience? Well, I think it, 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 it and, and I'll, I'll answer it this way. I mean, it comes down to what kind of a policy you're buying, right? I mean, I think today there are certain types of policies that we could buy. Look, there are certain types of policies you can buy online without an agent. I would never buy insurance without an agent. I believe in having an expert in the process. But I mean, there are certain micro policies or other things that you can just buy like that. Uh, I think where, where things are still very tricky are where you're dealing with kind of risks that require some scrutiny, um, risks that require some subjectivity, uh, and those risks require data points that are not just, you know, two, three, four pieces of data. And in order to get those pieces of data uh, and, and be able to utilize them in a very, very effective way is non-trivial. And I think that's where the opportunity lies for companies like Appulate and others to be able to take that data from the insured and, and move that to a way that's ultimately going to get to quote. So, so, so do, do you think that the overall or the uh, customer experience, how would like, I'll just go back to that question? Yeah. The historical buying experience for the consumer, how do you think they feel about it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's very good. Um, yeah. And, and okay. fortunately, there are many agents are able to kind of shield the insured to this. But I know from my own experience, when I, you know, in, in a prior life, uh, when I would have to apply for our commercial insurance, my agent would send me their application. I'd fill it out. It would take a long time. I'd send it back, twiddle my thumbs. Eventually, my agent would call me kind of nervously and say, you know, Jeff, I'm sorry. 
you're not right for this market this year. Let's try a different market. Here's another application, right? And it was just very, very tedious. Um, and I think we can, we can solve a lot of that between uh, accessing third-party data sources and, and just other ways to kind of make that timeline a lot, a lot, a lot shorter. Got it. Uh, well, here, here's, I mean, this is sort of, you know, what made me ask that question is in, in my research, um, in, in researching consumer behavior. Yeah. Um, and, and I do this, obviously, on behalf of an industry that's really got to connect to sure. an increasingly powerful consumer, right? A sure. consumer that's getting more choices and has lots of weapons and tools and can yeah. find out all sorts of stuff about you. <laughs> um, and, and they've been trained by other industries to right. expect more. Uh, so I, 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 I keep running across this article on Harvard Business Review that's a little bit a sort of a contrarian, right? Because while it, uh, if so many in customer service talk about delighting the customer and sure. you know delivering an exceptional experience, their research shows that um, that that you actually get more results by eliminating the dissatisfactions at the bottom end than you do by creating delight kind of mm. at the top end. And I thought, interesting. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, so, uh, you know, and reflecting on that, and, and certainly I'm, I'm never going to take away with the notion of delighting the customer, but sure. reflecting on that, uh, you know, I was thinking about our conversation and the insurance application process mm -hmm. and how, how, how in so many ways the consumer ha, uh, it has it goes through such a meat grinder of an unfriendly Absolutely. process in the insurance industry mm -hmm. and th and that's like you know we can't put don't put you know it's like it it does make sense to me like mm -hmm. let's not put whipped cream and cherry on top of that and call that delight sure let's fix the garbage that, you know sort of that's baked into the system mm -hmm. so uh, you're nodding your head and you're saying and and you're sounds like you're agreeing. So so let me ask you a question. If, if you if you do agree with me, what do you think that the this process like talk to me about your dream world of where this process can be? You yeah. think, you know, two or three years from now, how how smooth and elegant can this be for the consumer? Well, I think it can be extremely smooth. So I'll give you a, a, a wild example uh, of how smooth a, a transaction could be in our personal lives. I don't know if you've been to one of these new Amazon uh, uh, markets yet, uh, supermarkets, right? But th there are no checkouts. You know, you, you walk in there, you, you get what you want, you walk out the door, it feels like you're stealing and, and it just charges your credit card, right? right. No friction at all, completely <laughs> frictionless. Mm -hmm. um, I think that as carriers get smarter about their appetites and really understand, and, and part of this is from technology being able to understand, but really understanding what they're good at, what risks they feel they can underwrite better than anybody else, that's going to translate to a more frictionless process for the agent and therefore for the insured, right? If I know as a carrier that I'm really good at underwriting restaurants, and it happened to be restaurants in Arizona and happened to be pizza restaurants. If I have enough data on that, why can't I be able to use artificial intelligence and, and, and other means to be able to do that without a human, right? Be able to rate quote and bind it like that, right? I get a, I get a submission in and, and out, out 
out, you know, I can push a price out. And if the insured likes that price, they can just a, a, approve it and my policy and, and the policy is there. I think we're going towards that. I don't think that's going to happen for something like a <laughs> nuclear power plant, right? But but I do think that the vast majority of businesses, uh, let's call them businesses <laughs> under 50 employees, I think we're going to get to a place where the, the purchasing of commercial insurance via an agent is going to be done in a in a very very frictionless. So process. so do you you see this as sort of a, um, a you know kind of an intersection of mm-hmm. the agent delivering expertise and wisdom, um, uh, uh, big data supplying that's right um, uh, uh, information and mm-hmm. artificial intelligence learning how to apply that is yes. that kind of a okay Reese kind of a intersection of those three things and kaboom yeah. there's some magic okay and this uh, could happen for direct to the insured as well the problem is is that i i think where the agent is so important and helpful is that it under a good agent understands what the the risk is and where to take that risk that's most applicable and i don't think that the average business owner has the time or or ability to kind of figure that out and so I, I do believe that carriers are going to have to become a little bit more specialized as a result of this, which is not a bad thing, um, but it, it's going to allow for every risk to have a home and, uh, and that risk to have a home that is going to be excited and, and able to underwrite uh, you know, the risk faster. Um, speaking of research, I, I was looking for something online yesterday that mm-hmm. I think may have been removed since so a few years old, um, or maybe I just didn't find it. The, the, I think the updated version was there, but the quote that I was looking for wasn't there. It was uh, published by Deloitte, and it was written by Sam Friedman, who used to be the, I think he was the editor-in-chief at the National Underwriter. Mm. Um, and they had done research on the on um, uh small commercial lines experience from the consumer point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and one of their findings at that point, again, this goes back, I'm thinking five, six years, maybe mm. six, seven years. And one of the findings was that six out of 10, 60% of, of the small business owners they surveyed did not see that the agent provided any value beyond shopping for policy. Mm. Um, and then the kind of secondary question after that was, well, then, would you be willing to buy it on your own? Right. right? And um, obviously, you know, quite a few were. I don't remember what the number was. And they'd be willing. They'd, they'd certainly like the more you increase the discount. Oh, would you do it for five points of off, course, 10 sure. points off, 15 points off? And it's like, hey, if all this guy did was, you know, go find a policy and I could kind of do that on my own. Yeah. Right. Why not? Right. And so, um, yeah. What, how, how, how do you like reflect on that? How do you? Yeah. I, I just, I think that, that most people do not understand coverage enough to be able to buy the insurance that they really need. And if you get that wrong, it can be disastrous to your business. It can be disastrous to you personally. Right. And, and so I think it's easy to be sold on price in this, this happened, you know, we about 10 years ago in, in, in residential real estate, 
they're, they're all of a sudden we're all these ways to kind of sell your home without a realtor or buy a home without a realtor. And it sounded really good because it's a high, you know, it's a, it's a high price transaction and people got kind of starry eyed about being able to put that money in their pocket. But there's a reason why a good realtor, just like a good insurance agent is important in these transactions because these transactions are complicated and, and, and they matter. And if you, again, if you get that wrong, it, it really could be a disaster. So I do think that there are a carve out of certain types of businesses, certain types of risks that in, in commercial lines that we will see go, you know, more direct to consumer over time. But I, for one, would never buy insurance without an agent, an agent that understands our business and what our coverages are. And uh, I think that people will get caught, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be um, kind of regretting that the, sa- the nominal savings that they had by buying direct when they get that claim. And, uh, and, and there, isn't, there isn't a way to, uh, to, to you know, to uh, uh, solve that claim. Yeah, uh, you did. You slipped in a uh, kind of in a, a um, future prediction. So I want to I want to drill down on that for a moment. Uh, so you know, like on the personal line side, I had yeah. this conversation a couple of days ago um, with a new head of insurance at JD Power. It was like like saying, "God, it's you know, we're talking about." my channel, the agency channel, yeah, primarily the independent agency channel. And, 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 and he was, you know, commenting on our persistence of 20% market share of personal lines, you know, no right. matter what happens, like, like, you know, for the last two decades, I think we're pretty much just hanging in there. Um, sure. And no matter what technologies um, now, obviously uh, a different section of the agency channel, coughed up a lot of that market share yeah because the captives have lost and the directs have gained absolutely but we we're like holding on to a certain percentage of this of the of the demographic that's the, yeah. like keep like keep saying what you're saying i'll never do it without an agent or they yeah. certainly have a strong preference for an agent and that yeah. that showed up that actually increased during covid it was, oh, yeah, that was, it. It, it increased during covid like uh, it went up a few points in almost every single demographic, sure. uh, income-wise, age-wise. I, sure. I, and, I, and I think that what happened was that just sort of um, in times of turbulence, people look outside themselves for, um, for guidance, right? Yeah, and so, absolutely. You know, even, even so the turbulence of the pandemic sort of created, probably created mm-hmm. the, you know, the psychological environment for people to say, hey, I just need somebody to tell me what to do. Well, uh, and, is- and I think it's generational. And I think that COVID kind of refreshed that up, up, upon the younger generation because, you know, my parents' generation really valued that, like valued that human interaction, that expert. And I think the internet has like foolishly brought the younger generation this idea that, oh, I, I can just figure it out myself, right? I can go online, I can do my own research and I'll just figure it out. I don't need that person. But, but the reality is, is that there's a limit on, on some of that. Yeah, if you're looking to figure out whether to buy uh, you know, one car over another, maybe you could figure that out yourself online and then go in the dealership and drive it or yeah. whatever. But, but, but there are certain areas of, of per- purchase that we go through that, that are, are, again, have a lot of complexity. And I just don't think the average, per- I'm a smart guy. I don't have the time to be able to figure this stuff out for my business. And, and I don't think the vast majority of business owners do. And, and I think that agents 
matter a lot more than than people really give them credit for. Um, and uh, in personal lines, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think if you're if you don't have a lot of assets and you're you're you have a very basic risk, uh, you know, you you drive a Honda Civic and you just need to get some auto insurance. I, maybe you could go and buy it direct. I don't know. But for anybody that has any sort of assets, gosh, I, I, again, if you get that wrong, it, it could be devastating to you and your family. So you, uh, so 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 going back to the little prediction you made, I think you said that yeah, o- over time, um, you know, we may see certain classes of yeah. commercial lines get purchased online. So yeah, so uh, there, I think uh, uh, um making a presumption interpreting your comment that, uh, that presumably that's probably uh, the simpler uh, oh, yeah. easier to automate lower end so in general um, would you say it's sound advice for the independent agent to go up market strategically like that's a safer harbor where in other words where expertise is both deemed necessary and yeah. appreciated uh, that's the place for the expert to go. Uh, it, it is, but I think that remarkably, because of automation, agents are starting to be able to make money on small commercial risks mm. where they weren't able to before. And it's, it's just because it took a lot longer. It, if you could go online and rate uh, a BOP uh, with four different carriers in five minutes, um, even if that BOP is only $500, $900 of premium, you're probably still as an agency making some money, not a lot, but a little. Uh, if, if you had to do that manually, it's a loser, right? So I, I think that's where efficiency and technology are going to drive some, some, some profits to agents. In, in small commercial that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. I have, I have seen and I, and I have a, a, you know, kind of a sliver of uh, clients who um, are, I guess you would kind of say playing a down market, but doing yeah. it in a highly specialized area yeah, and, and focusing their own resources on uh, the solid, good principles of marketing and digital yeah. direct response marketing Definitely. and so owning a kind and and, the, and they have no geographic footprint beyond yeah. you know kind of their imagination and the country and whatever states they want to be in yeah yeah so that yeah there there is that as an option but in general um uh with those kind of outliers aside it does seem that um, the up market has a couple of qualities that the down market doesn't have. And, and one is that expertise is Matters. more necessary. And it two is. is that you'll find more people yeah. uh, in that demographic where expertise is more appreciated. Oh, big time. Right. I yeah. mean, the fact, yeah. the fact that it's needed is ir- irrelevant. Sure. <laughs> it also has to be appreciated, right? Sure, sure. So, Absolutely. so all, 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 of the, all of the jumping up and down and screaming that you and I could do about, you know, the value of the agent doesn't really matter unless, um, you know, and, and uh, I'm not here to judge other people's values. I mean, there's a big demographic mm-hmm. in this country that, you know, frankly, they're, they're price shoppers for a very good reason. Oh, yeah. You know, like paycheck Absolutely. is Friday and money runs right. out on Thursday yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know? And so uh, they, that tends to be the direction that they're going. 
Um, it's true. And, and it's every, I know every agent out there would love to have that, you know, $5 million premium that they, that they bind. The reality is though, that there just aren't as many of those. And, and so I, I think smart agents, younger agents are, are realizing that they can be, they can be a generalist in the commercial space and they can target a much larger uh, group of potential clients and still make money today. And, and I don't think that was as, as available five or six years ago, um, just because technology hadn't really caught up to that yet. And, yeah. and it was really hard to make money selling those bops and small comp and small GL policies. Yeah. All right. So you, you slid into this industry as an outsider 17 years ago. Uh, what was the trigger to make that happen? Well, just knowing, I mean, our, ourselves, knowing the, the process, we had some friends in the industry and, uh, and, and they had pain and, and we understood the pain. And, um, you know, we, my, my partner, Dimitri, and I uh, it could, could be accused of many things, uh, but, but one of the things we're, we're uh, I think, known for is uh, we like to solve problems. And, uh, and, and when we see problems and we believe we can solve them with technology, uh, we, we jump on those opportunities. And we've done this in other industries and in education and project management and, and staffing and some other areas. But uh, uh, insurance was one that, that really we were excited about. And I think just right time, right place. 2005 is a really hard market. And it was, it was very, very arduous to apply for commercial insurance, especially in our home state of California. The workers' comp market was very hard. So we, we were we were maybe lucky that, that we just kind of started at that time, but so, uh, so, it, it's been a journey. So if you would tell us about the problem that you solve and um, how, how your solution works for the independent agent. Yeah. So it really, I mean, one of the big problems that we solve is the ability for an agent to complete all of the different applications that they need uh, in order to submit and market a risk to various carriers um, oftentimes, those carriers have their own individual questionnaires, supplemental questions, and we're able to consolidate those questionnaires into a very single, easy-to-use interface uh, in Appulate um, so that they can uh, answer questions once and have that data populate into various carrier-specific uh, questionnaires. So it really saves a lot of time there. Um, and then, you know, on, on the on the submission quoting end of it, we've been able to, to generate relationships with carriers where they're actually giving us access to the way they're rating uh, these products, some, some via API, others, in some cases, they just give us spreadsheets and tell us, hey, you know, build this out and appulate. But we're able to help the, the agent generate the quote a lot faster, um, which allows them an advantage to being able to, to sell the policy, right? If they can get back to their insured with a good price and options that 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 helps them to uh, to win the deals. So typically, the user is uh, a producer. It is. It is. We we have account exec, sometimes producer, users, maybe a, a marketer, uh, uh, an upstream marketer. It could be a CSR or it could uh -huh. be a, a, a you know a a, a producer. Um, but yeah, we we today have over three hundred thousand users on our platform uh, from uh, thirty five thousand independent agencies, about eighty thousand actual agency locations. So uh, it's a large audience of folks oh, that are again just trying to trying to sell policies. 
Yeah, that's terrific. And are you U.S. only? Yeah, we're, we're U.S. only. Um, uh, we wanted to stay very focused on that. We get hit up all the time. Hey, will you expand into Canada or will you, you know, take take this to Europe? Or uh, for now, we're, there's plenty of room for us to grow domestically. Yeah, there's more than so meets the eye. Uh, I, I jumped that border and I suspect with my technology it was easier, way, way easier than for yours. I mean, in some cases, it was the same agency yeah. management system. They just call yeah, it a broker yeah. management system. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, you've got a, a lot to deal with there. Uh, 35,000, so you're you're darn near everywhere. Yeah, you know, there, I, and, and maybe you have a better study than than we do because there it doesn't seem to be a definitive uh, number of exactly how many agencies there are, um, but industry analysts that we work with have told us that, you know, they think we have about 90% of yeah, the agencies yeah, yeah. on yeah, our platform. Yeah, I think... I think, um, you know, most of the credible uh, sources that I review would say it's, you know, maybe a tick under 40,000. And again, yeah, they're that, talking about consistency. Hearing. It's been that for the longest time, yeah. I mean, the, the longest time. Now, uh, I, I, you know, that and that transition really happened before I was really active in the industry. Mm, there, okay. uh, there was a time that predated me. I saw some of this. I saw, I saw some consolidation. <laughs> But there was a time where we had 80,000. Yeah, uh, I heard and, that. I heard that. That's mind boggling. Well, uh, a, a lot of what happened. I'll keep this short. This is this is a this is a historical lesson. Uh, but it, to me, it's interesting and it explains a lot about the industry. Um, a, a lot of what happened was, um, you know, um, the the age of the agent where, you know, that, that was carriers needed to sell product. Right, they right. started back in, you know, the 1700s or right. you know, whatever, go to Lloyd's, sure. or pick a time. And so, you know, they hired agents. And so agents were the distribution system. And then yeah. what, we, what we saw happen, largely after World War II and the economy just, you know, mushroomed and exploded in growth, uh, we saw a lot of the same things happen in small, mm. medium business that happened maybe 10 or 20 years earlier in large business. There were certain principles of management, mm. some of the science of management. People like Deming and Drucker were influencing larger corporations, but those principles became known and available. And so we saw agents become agencies. Right, so right. They actually became businesses. And so when I ran the PIA, like back in on the West Coast back in the 90s. Yeah. Now, that was the, the premier agency was sure. a well-run business and they knew it. And you walked in the front door and there were people with job descriptions and computers right. and agency management. Systems, sure, right? sure. Uh, and that really was like sort of the peak of, of the second, what I call the second age of the age. Sure. Where you went from the age of the agent to the age of the agency. And now, Again, it takes a while to kick in, but you know the third phase, the age of, age of the modern agency, where they're using tools like yours, right? Um, and you know probably a whole host of other ones of technologies sure, sure. to satisfy that progressively powerful consumer. Yeah, we have to satisfy the consumer. They're going to find other places to go. They may may or may not be happy there, but if we're if we if we don't you know if we don't take care of them. They're going to let us know. And now they have more choices. Well, and, and, and the results have changed, right? I mean, Michael, if we look back 25 or 30 years ago, a, a large agency was producing 10 or $20 million of premium, right? Yeah. Now yeah, there's right. many agencies out there that are producing a billion dollars or more of premium. 
And and I'm sure those were numbers that were just un, un, unfathomable, unfathomable. Um, a few decades yeah. ago. Yeah, indeed. And yet somehow, and, and you know, perhaps you see this, uh, the agency continues to spawn startups. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so there, there, there's always, you know, new ones popping up. And we, ha- we seem to have built the infrastructure within the industry to support yeah. those startups. Give uh, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I, I think because of technology, the barrier to entry is, is, is lowering. I think it's a great, I mean, I, 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 I always tell this, I, I get to speak to young entrepreneurs from time to time. And I always say, you know, if, if you're looking to have control of your own destiny and, and, and make a good living and be able to take good care of your family, being an insurance agent and starting an insurance agency is really not a bad gig. And it's a, it, it's, I think it's easier today than it would have been 20 years ago. Throw, throw in the magic of recurring income. You got to, of course. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so Jeff, if, um, well, let me, so let me ask you a question before we wind this up. If, if you were going to deliver a poignant message to the leaders of the independent agency system where you're, you yeah. wanted them to really pay attention to something or take note, what would you say? It's cliche, but I, I, I think that just keep your eyes open to technology. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't overbuy it, but keep your eyes open to it. Be open-minded to innovating your agency. Um, I think that good things happen to those agencies that take advantage of the, the capabilities that are out there. I think that there will be increasingly more of them going forward. Not all vendors are good. Not all technologies work well. Not yeah. all vendors provide a good ROI. But, but that's my message. I, I think agency principals and owners uh, just it should be open-minded and, and, and continue to be looking for innovations, places for innovation. I, I think that's where the future lies. Um, yeah, there's not, not a word there that I would disagree with. Let me ask you a question about that again, before we wind this up, but, um, uh, you know, I've, I've said this many times, um, when I was running an insure tech, you know, we tweaked our sales system over and over and over again, sure. right? the scripting, the, the compensation, the base versus commission, the, mm-hmm. you know, the technologies we use, the pipeline yeah. manager, you know, on and on finally. Right. And, and when I felt like, uh, well, Hey, we got a really good sales system here with the, probably the biggest challenge we had. And again, you know, go back, we're going back a decade and more yeah. uh, was that our market did not have a good buying process. Mm-hmm. We had a good sell, selling process, but they really didn't have a good buying process for technology. Mm. So let me ask you one question about it, because like you said, um, and we, you know, we talked about this, 80% of technology firms fail. Right. Uh, and you said not every technology is good. Not every no. vendor is good. Maybe their financial banking is not good. Maybe the product looks good, but isn't good. Maybe sure. their customer support's not, you know, on right. and on. Right. And so, you, you know, the bell curve, you know, of technology adoption with the, you know, the super early, but then you got the, you know, you've got the early adopters and the early majority, and then you got the, uh, now you start to get down to the downward side. It would seem to me that at times like this, where technology is driving so much change, yeah, an agency needs to find its sweet spot for technology adoption. And, And I think in general, this is not a good time to be a laggard. No, um, but you don't necessarily need to be. No, you know the tippy tippy, 
you know, Ble- on the bleeding edge. You don't. Yeah, need the, to be. The, well, you know, I mean, we've all had them and they, you know, thank God, you know, the, every startup gets them and thank God for the crazy radicals who, you know, sure, sure. Right, the, their expectations of what you could do are probably 10 right. times more than what you actually can do. Sure, but that's sure. okay. They, they, they fund some of those early startups and give us some traction. You don't really need to be there, but it, it does seem that yeah. you probably should like take this seriously enough and situate yourself yeah. somewhere in the early part of that bell curve. Um, but I think in order so, to, but do know, it, but do it maturely and responsibly, so yeah. that so that you've got a system to one know what's there. Two, you know, so you so you're scanning the environment. Yeah. Uh, number two, you're you're able to categorize it, right? Yeah, so like, absolutely. Uh, you know what, like what's front of the office, what's back of the office. Right. You know right. what what's what's lo- what's largely built for efficiency and what's mm-hmm. largely built for effectiveness, um, and then. Yeah. And then, you know, identifying, uh, you know, sort of more granular, oh, problems that I'm going to solve, like whatever it is. And then uh, uh, some way to uh, compare vendors and then some way to make a decision, bring it in house. Yeah. And and then and then recognize, oh, the process just started. Right. (laughs) Process didn't end. (laughs) The process started. Now I got it. I'm paying for it. Now let's yeah. master it, adopt it, find, you know, find where the real value is in it and grab that and, and put it to use. So, uh, yeah, I, I just sort of did run through, you know, the, the, I lost count of the number, but, you know, sort of the sequence of yeah. what I think is a good buying process, but in general, like being a sort of more toward the front end seems to be the only place to be right now in this industry. Well, I, I think so, but but uh, my my advice to, to to agents is, you know, your your agency management system vendor will never stop trying to sell you and upsell you things because most of these vendors are buyers of technology that companies themselves, right? They're growing mostly through acquisition, so they're buying Frankensteinian like pieces and trying to upsell you. I, I think wise agencies are are realizing that they probably shouldn't be devoting so much time and money to one single vendor in their agency management system. And I think instead uh, should start to look and explore uh, other pieces that are outside of those. And the that's reason it, for that is it. I think you'll, you'll get a better deal, but I think you'll also find your own kind of innovative path with your agency without having to kind of follow the the you know, the lemmings. I, I so often hear commentators mm-hmm. or sometimes agents, you know, but sure. you, and you'll see this online yeah. where, where people will say, gosh, I wish all these technologies would just work so well together. Yeah. Why can't we have one? Uh, now, the, the, the integration of technologies is both, uh, I, I think, both desirable and emerging. I, I think I, I think we're seeing um, uh, emerging movement towards yeah. more and more, uh, you know, sharing of, oh yeah, you know, integration and APIs. <laughs> However, um, the 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 dream that it's all going to like, you know, look and act like one thing and one, yeah. you know, like one vendor could. That's never going to happen. It's never going to end. The, yeah, and, and even the vendors that that have these different Frankensteinian like pieces, oftentimes they don't work together. So yeah, yeah. it. it it, it well doesn't happen, and I think one of the reasons right. it doesn't happen is because innovation happens in the wild. It does. It's, it's happening. Uh, you know, like I mean, I, I'm sure that every 
everybody who listens to this conversation gets the daily phone call from some vendor they've of heard of, and I do too. And sure. I be on your podcast, and so sure, you know, absolutely. Um, it happens in the wild, and that's just sort of the nature of the innovation. And then on the flip side, yeah, in most cases, uh, you know, the big firms are owned by a, by a private equity firm that has a shelf life on their you know that's on their right. fund for their investors, and so yeah. let's say it's five years. You know, and a year goes by, uh, you know, um, and boom, now it's four years and they're not going to build something and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're and not take innovative. it to market no. and launch it and not make money on it. I mean, not at all. You, you know that in, in most cases, Jeff, I mean, you're probably the brilliant exception, but in most cases, you know, we're we with startups are breathing fumes for a while and yeah. looking at well, either, you know, looking for friends or hitting their 401k or <laughs> in today's market, they're um, getting millions of dollars of venture capital money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but the, you know, the large uh, established firms mm-hmm. have investors to pay back and it's somewhere between one day and five years. That's right. Pay That's back. Right. So it's That's an right. average of two and a half. Yeah. And you don't build and launch and take that much of a risk. Not in that period of time. So we have to live with the fact that innovation is messy. Yeah, it is. So, boom. All right, my friend. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Michael, thanks. It's been fun. Really appreciate being on your show. And uh, yeah, again, just kudos to you for all the great work you do. Thank you. Um, so if, uh, if listeners are interested in learning more about Appulate or Jeff Harris? How should they do that? Oh, well, thank you. So we just launched Appulate 11 and uh, that's our newest product. Uh, uh, It's uh, incredible. Uh, And you can find out more about it at appulate.com. That's our website. And uh, we're just so excited to continue to be part of this industry. Very good. Really appreciate the time. And I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.